Welcome to the True Condos Podcast with Andrew LaFleur, the place to get the truth on the Toronto condo market and condo investing in Toronto. Okay, it's my pleasure to welcome back to the show, returning guest. Always great to chat with Jake Abramowitz, aka Mortgage Jake. How you doing, Jake? Thank you, Andrew. I'm I'm off to a good start this year. How about you? Doing well. Just getting back into the groove myself after a nice uh, holiday break, and here we are back talking about the market. So the new stress test, the B twenty stress test, is here. Okay, now what? That's a good point. Now what? So um, <laughs> that's a big question. What, yeah, are you, no, absolutely. what are your thoughts so far as in this new reality that we're in? I've been having a lot of chats about this with colleagues, with realtors, with the public. And I mean, I think that the first six months will be key in how this stress test gets adapted and accepted by the buying public. But I want to emphasize or stress, no pun intended, that only about 9% of buyers are affected by this test. And by affected, it means that they simply can't borrow as much as they would have liked to. That doesn't mean they are completely out of the market. They just might have to shift what they end up purchasing. I also want to say that uh, there are lenders, very strong credit unions in Ontario, that can still underwrite under the old rules. However, they're not very uh, aggressive in their underwriting. They're rather conservative. So let's not take that to mean that they're skirting any rules or anything like that. They're still taking a very moderate approach to their underwriting, but they're still able to underwrite in the pre-stress test era. So we have options. We have lenders for now. Uh, but at the end of the day, clients will just have to adjust. And the reason I say the first six months is I'm already seeing a couple of announcements from banks after the stress test was implemented with regards to policy updates that if it's a pre-construction deal purchased prior to the stress test being implemented, they will still underwrite under old rules. That was TD and First National, for example. So it's clear that OSFI and the banks and lenders are all working together every you know week and day and what have you. And I've been told that OSFI is talking to the banks every day and monitoring the situation closely, which makes me happy to hear because they didn't just change the rules and throw the keys away and say, you deal with it. It's clear that there's a lot of back and forth dialogue with regulators and bankers. So that's that's good. Because if there's a major change to the market, we will see, you know, obviously our, our economy will be hit simply because, as I wrote in one of my blogs uh, this week, 14% of our labor force is currently directly or indirectly related to real estate. So in reality, you know, the, the government of Canada has to keep uh, our housing really strong. So the first six months will really kind of tell where we are uh, in this test and how much of a major impact or minor it will have moving forward. What's your sense? What's your vibe in talking with actual purchasers, people buying, especially not so much investors, but people buying homes and condos for themselves as they come to you and they talk to you? What sort of questions are they asking? Is there a lot of confusion about the stress test still? People understand it? Or as you said, it actually doesn't really affect that many people. So it's not really a big issue at all. What, what are your thoughts on that? Primarily for single income purchasers, there is confusion and anxiety because first-time buyers now can qualify for 23% less than they would have prior to the change uh, with 20% down or more. So in that case, there there was a lot of anxiety and I did a lot of pre-approvals for those people. But in general, the buyers that have come to me after December 31st 
Uh, I've quickly explained to them what's happening. And for the most part, people are not overly concerned because for clients who have dual incomes, um, I'll tell you, we have a very strong income base in Toronto with my clients. So there isn't too much of a, of a worry. And frankly, the stress test again meant, and I'll put this really easy to numbers, prior to the changes, you could have borrowed up to seven times income. After the changes now, you can borrow five times income. And you'd be surprised how many people I say, well, look, you know, you can borrow five times income. And they say to me, oh, we don't want to even go that high. We're looking at two to three times income based on our p- preferred budget. So it's not causing, it's not going to cause a huge make, uh, market correction or ripples in the market because most people are not going to the levels that they can go to anyway. Right, right. And very interesting that you mentioned as well. And I'm starting to hear this uh, trickling, this news trickling out as well about uh, lenders officially announcing that for pre-construction purchasers, contracts entered into before January 1st of this year, they're grant- being grandfathered in and they're still being able to qualify those people under the, you know, without the stress test. Yeah, it's it's a huge, it's, it was a very big surprise to me yesterday that this announcement came out by TD and First National. And I think other lenders will follow suit. But what happened is when the stress test came out, I found that the majority of lenders and banks simply didn't know what's going to happen. And and same thing happened last time when the previous stress test was announced, the 5 to 19%, let's call it the high ratio stress test. Banks didn't know how to implement it. But as time passed, they realized, wait a second, there's a lot of pre-construction buyers out there that bought before and they should be grandfathered and it happened. And the same thing looks like it's going to happen this time. Now, initially we were told if it doesn't close in four months, new rules apply. Now we're told... If you apply by May 31st, 2018, regardless of when your closing date, old rules apply. Okay, good. I'm seeing that lenders and banks are starting to adopt the policy the way that they feel is, is up for the risk tolerance. And that's something that I want to emphasize. When the B20 rules are announced, there are a general guideline for lenders to follow. They are not have to follow them to a T. Each lender makes their own policy based on the guidelines. So I know of a couple of major banks that started uh, stress testing as early as December 15th. And the majority of them went all the way to December 31st. So these are all internal policies that they're creating and those policies are very fluid. So it's clear that more lenders will come to the table with with better news with respect to pre-approvals, grandfathered, old deals and what have you. Big question I have is along those lines is, I mean, are lenders, like this is going to potentially hurt lenders' business, obviously, you know, eliminating some customers perhaps or allowing some customers to take a much smaller mortgage than before. Are they, my question is, are they, are lenders really just going to sit back and, you know, allow that to happen? Or are lenders actually going to adapt their own policies? Are they going to look at their, you know, their debt ratios and things like that and, and adjust things so that, they can still, you know, take on more mortgages? Very interesting question. And here's a kind of a three-part answer. First, renewals, because they are now stress-tested, lenders will be much stronger in the renewal department than ever before. So if someone's renewing today with any of the big five, any mortgage lender, they will have a much harder time to move that deal around. Therefore, uh, the renewal side of the business will grow for the lender. So that's one way to offset the potential loss in revenue from new customers. Secondly, I'm seeing... Sorry, just, uh, just to pause you there, just can you break that down a little bit more? What do you mean exactly by renewals? You mean when somebody's mortgage is up and they, are, they need to renew their mortgage, uh, the five-year term or whatever is up, 
you're saying when they are because when they're sh- when they're staying with the same bank, they don't go through any stress tests, right? Absolutely none. Uh, correct, and you, just, you don't go through any approvals. You just yeah, the bank but, doesn't check right. anything. They just give you the mortgage again. They give you the mortgage again. It. But if you're if you're shopping around to different banks, is that what you mean? Exactly. So at renewal time, the lender will give you a rate that will not be extremely competitive because they know inherently you are very comfortable with that bank or lender already. Now that it's going to be even more difficult for you to shop around at renewal because of the stress test, the lender will be further, uh, will not have a further incentive to give you a great rate. So they're just going to buy you with whatever. So that is one way that they will offset their losses in revenue from the new customer acquisition side by giving you a slightly worse rate than you would normally get. And I want your, your listeners to know that lenders are absolutely not qualifying people unless you make a, you know, a big mistake, which is missing mortgage payments repeatedly. Right. If a lender will qualify you on, clo- on renewal by looking at your file, looking at your risk profile o- overall and your repayment history, and if you're late, they will ask you again, hey, you know, let's take a look at your file. It doesn't happen very often, but it has happened. Uh, so always be on time. But that's that's one way that lenders will offset this potential loss in revenue is by keeping more of their current customers at higher rates. So it's very important to shop around because there are right, still right. many options. That's the key message there. Yeah, basically, the, if you have a mortgage that's coming up, you can anticipate that the offer that you get to renew it is going to be, it's normally not a great offer, as you said, because they just play into the fact that most people just sign it and don't even look at it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now you're saying, it will be even potentially worse than usual to because they know that it's going to be harder for people to shop around because it's harder to qualify. Yeah. So the, again, the key message there is you definitely want to speak to somebody like Jake or a great mortgage broker who's going to be able to advise you on is this rate competitive or not? Should you be shopping around or not? Um, can you qualify even to look at another lender or not? You might, you may or may not have that option, I suppose now. Absolutely. It's a simple five-minute call. I've done two of them today. Where for in both cases, I, I, I advise the client, stay with your lender and here's why. You know, you're, you're in a contract position, you're in between work, you're making less money. Uh, what reason X, Y, Z. So it does not, it's not going to take you more than five, 10 minutes to assess with a broker. But certainly I, I recommend everybody at renewal time, figure out your options elsewhere. And if you're happy with your bank, let's get you the best rate, right? Now, another thing that's happening, a new trend is a lot of these banks and lenders are coming up with alt prime products that... If a client's not going to fit under the A channel, aka the best rate, the best terms, there will be subprime, alternative prime products like a home trust, like an equitable bank, but there will be much more competition in that space. So that's another way that the lenders will simply uh, offset the loss in new customer acquisition by placing them with a different set of products that might be priced higher, but will be a little easier to get the mortgage. And third, I agree with you. Lenders and banks are not just going to let their profit margins drop because of this test. They will implement policies and make exceptions. One thing that I've been hearing about is longer amortizations, higher GDS, TDS ratios, which are, in plain English, are the percentage of income that can go to servicing your debt. Right now, the maximum typically is 35 to 39%. That may increase as well. So there will be new policy changes coming, and they are fluid. But they are coming in order for these banks and lenders to become competitive and, you know, figure out a way of being able to offer buyers mortgages. Interesting. Yeah, very yeah. interesting, especially on 
on um yeah on the ratios there and and how how they may respond with that um because i mean every action there's always an uh, always a reaction right i mean that's what my first thing i always think of when new government policies like this come into place i think okay how is the market going to respond i mean the government is trying to interfere into a free market process mm-hmm. uh you know socialism at work kind of the thing but we're not, you know, this is not a, it is a free market. So there's always a response to it. So it's always interesting to see how companies and, and individuals will respond. And, and there always is a response and there always isn't, you know, the market adapts and things change and it's fluid and we always freak out at first, but in time we always adapt to everything. And, and in, yeah, amortization is another one you mentioned, like, you yeah. know, five, 10 years ago, 35, 40 year amortizations, that was that was out there. That was normal. We haven't seen those in a while. And now, what do you know? That they may be coming back. It's uh, it's 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 interesting. How it's old as new again. Yeah, you know, you hit the nail on the head with the word adapt. I believe that this market will adapt, and buyers will adapt to the changes, just like they did in the previous go round. Now, yes, some buyers simply uh, with the new the previous stress test with the five to nineteen percent high ratio buyers, some people, very few, decided not to buy. They waited, they saved up some more money, uh, or they you know, increased their income, they changed jobs, what have you. But in overall, the majority of people, if they need, they get a co-signer, they get a gift from parents. There are ways that people adapt really easily to changes. And our market's been very resilient in the past, and I believe it will continue to do so moving forward. Interest rates this year, we're, we're now we're seeing some good news in our economy lately. Things going to be going well. Donald Trump is telling us is the greatest you know, economy of all time, <laughs> uh, every day on Twitter and so on and so forth. But let's be honest, let's be serious. The economy does seem to be doing quite well overall. Um, jobs market, job market and everything is looking quite good. Inflation is still super, super low. Um, but now they're starting to, starting to talk about maybe two or three interest rate hikes coming this year from the Bank of Canada. Your thoughts on that and, and what, you know, mortgage rates might look like a year from now. Yeah, so I, I do believe that next um, week we'll see an increase by a quarter point by Bank of Canada. It's basically already been forecasted and foreshadowed by the bank based on all the numbers that came out. Our jobless numbers now at only 5.6 unemployment rate, one of the lowest, if not the lowest, um, that we've seen. I am very concerned that the majority of our growth is in FIRE, which is uh, finance, insurance, real estate. Not concerned to the point where that shouldn't be a driver of our economy, but if on one hand, the Bank of Canada is saying, hey, housing is you know at a bubble or it's at, at a peak, as they've been saying in the past, and they're trying to curb that growth. On the other hand, our economy is growing in, in large part due to fire, again, finance, insurance, real estate. How are they going to balance that? I'm also wondering what will happen when inevitably NAFTA will get ripped up because they are all, basically, it's been predicted that that will happen. It will be major changes and impacts on Canadian exporters. So although prime rates should go up at least twice, if not three times this year, I don't quite frankly think that it's going to continue that trend upwards after. So we can see today prime is at 3.2. We can see easily a prime rate of 3.7 by the end of 2018, uh, maybe even 405 uh, by that point. Oh, sorry, 395. Uh, after that, I don't believe prime will continue to rise. And let's face it, 395 is still a, a very decent rate. Uh, frankly, overall, in long term, fixed rates are also up quite large. They're up 1% over a year. 
Last year, a competitive five-year was around 229, 239. This year, a competitive five-year is around 329 to 349. So I'm seeing rates up across the board. Again, still in historically low levels, um, but they are trending up. So anyone that has a mortgage now, start prepaying as much as possible. Anyone that's looking now, you're still getting very attractive rates. And not everybody is suitable for a five-year, Andrew. And this is one thing I wanted to say is, you know, clients call me and say, hey, what's your best five-year? And my first question is, why do you want a five-year? Sometimes you take a one, two, or three-year, and it's quite quite attractive under the 3% mark. But overall, most rates are increasing, and we'll see a mid-three to high-three range rate in fixed and variable by the end of the year. So what what is the move right now? I'm classic debate, variable versus fixed. Uh, I'm seeing variable rates at you know, close to record lows uh, yeah. you know, on various sites and whatnot that advertise rates. Um, as you said, fixed rates are quite a bit higher than they were a year ago, but at the same time, probably going to be some interest rate hikes this year. So what's the move right now, variable or fixed? Yeah. Great question. So if someone's in a variable rate and they got a good discount off prime, and that's key, they, they got 75 to 100 basis points or percent off of prime, and they're in the 2.3 to 2.4 mark, and they want to stay in variable, I advise them to stay put as long as they're setting their payment at least 75 to 100 basis points higher. So if they're paying interest at 2.4, they should actually set their payment at 3.4 and dump that difference into principal and give themselves a 1% budgetary kind of buffer. If they're unable to do that and they're simply looking for lowest payment possible, then depending on the term they have left, I would consider they should they should lock it in. Also depends on mortgage size and where you are in your lifestyle. I had a client yesterday call with a 1.5 million mortgage that frankly couldn't really withstand much more of an interest rate hike and I advised them to lock in and they will. And I had other clients in 220K mortgages that their values of the homes were a million and they had tons of equity and they were happy riding the roller coaster of variable because they've seen the rates come down and then now they're seeing them inch upwards. It depends on the spread you have between what you've got available and what the lender will offer you. And that will really dictate along with how long will you stay in the property? Because remember, fixed rate mortgage penalties are much greater than variable rate mortgage penalties if you break early. So we have to have that overall discussion. Yeah, that's a great tip, especially for investors. One of the things that's often overlooked is that term, the term of your mortgage. So many investors uh, with condos, they don't you know, they don't plan on holding that property for too long, but they forget they lock into a five-year mortgage. They want to sell the thing after year two or year three, kids got to go to university or you want to buy something else or whatever it may be. Oops, I got a five-year fixed mortgage and my, my penalty for breaking this thing is huge. So what is yeah. your advice to, how do you, how, how do you coach or talk to the, let's say the condo investor who's closing on a condo, needs a mortgage today and they're debating this, uh, the term of the mortgage? What do you, how do you sort of coach them through that right today? Uh, definitely two to three year fixed or uh, five year variable. And most investors are savvy investors. They know what they're doing. They can withstand certain fluctuations in rate, uh, depending on the income coming in from the property as well. We'll dictate that, that discussion. But I'm, I'm all 100% in agreement with you, Andrew. A, a two to three year fix is usually the longest window that they will need a certainty of in, in terms of rate. But after that, they may not know if they're going to continue holding the property. So it's a long enough period, but it's a short enough period. Or they go five-year variable if the property is very cash flow positive and they can withstand a bit of a rate bump. 
Awesome. Great. Great chatting with you again, Jake, and getting an update. Anything else is on your mind that you want to talk about as we are heading into 2018 with the mortgage market? Well, overall, I think that the market will be healthy, uh, but it will be primarily driven by consumer sentiment. I want people to really focus more on the numbers and less on the headlines. I think that the media is doing a great job in the last few years of sensationalizing our real estate. But in general, look beyond just the headline. Read it. Talk to the experts, yourself, myself, and really get a, a good feel of what's happening out there. Because a lot of times what we read is not necessarily true. And, and quite often, I point that out to the globe on social media. And it's important to look past, you know, just the, the screaming bad news. Absolutely. More important than ever. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Great. And once again, Jake, if people want to get a hold of you and get in contact with you, what's the best way for them to do that? I'm at mortgagejake.com. You can find me on there. I have a brand new website. It's just being launched. I'm on social media under Mortgage Jake on Twitter. And of course, you guys can call in or reach out to me and email 416-910-4448 anytime. And I, I'll make myself available as always. Great. Thank you, Jake. Thank you. Talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to the True Condos Podcast. Remember, your positive reviews make a big difference to the show. To learn more about condo investing, become a True Condos subscriber by visiting truecondos.com.